Hello, everybody, and welcome to this live stream, The Future of Coaching with Thomas from Goodvertising is joining us today. Um, for those of you who are new to the stream, my name is Simon Batchelor, one of the co-founders of Better, Bolder, Braver, and I'm joined here today by Francis. Hello, Francis. Hello, Simon, and happy Easter, everybody, if you're listening live, um, nearly, or Passover, or whatever you might be celebrating at the moment. Uh, yes, we're really lucky to have Thomas here today. Thomas is part of our marketing family, as many of you will have uh, heard us refer to previously, uh, and is an anomaly in this The Future of Coaching programme, because we largely are having people who train coaches or who are coaches. And Thomas is a coach of sorts, and we'll get on to that in a minute. <laughs> but Thomas is also, like us, somebody who is practicing good, ethical, powerful marketing, both in terms of the uh, individual practicing it, but also for the bigger picture, the bigger change that we are all keen to um, support our people in making. And that is why we have Thomas here today, because Thomas can talk to the power of branding and the power of big system change. And so we thought he would be a wonderful person to have as part of the future of coaching program, um, because this is not just the future of the industry and not just the future of an individual coach, but the future of how coaching can shape the world for the better. So no small subject, Thomas. Uh, how yeah. are you? How are you arriving? And do introduce yourself, please, and, and the wonderful work that you have brought to the planet already. I'm doing well, thank you. And, and you know, I always love when I get invited to something that's, you know, a bit off what I usually talk about. But, but I think what the conversation we had before this little thing today was, in fact, that a lot of my recent work, in fact, has been inspired by coaching. And I think a lot of the sort of tools and methodologies that I looked at was actually inspired from coaching. But I don't know if I should just give a bit of a short background about my own journey or how we want to kick this off. And obviously, if all of you watching, please do ask questions because that's how we're going to create something exciting uh, for all of you. Um, I mean, as, as you said in the introduction, uh, I, if I'm in the marketing family, I'm probably just a cheeky uncle, um, I guess. Uh, I, I started out as a, as a young advertising creative on the copywriting side, and about a decade into my career, I felt not value aligned with the work that I was doing. Um, and maybe it was because my parents are where I grew up, as you might hear in the accent, I'm from Denmark. So sort of very social democratic upbringing. And so trying to pitch to parents going into advertising, it's not something that's going to make your mom and dad incredibly happy about your choice. They thought you, they gave you some decent values. I mean, my dad was a politician, among other things. So he's like, why the heck would you go into advertising? It's just selling people a bunch of stuff they don't need. So, so sort of 10 years into my career, I, I think I was sparked by us hosting the Climate Summit in Copenhagen. We had all the, you know, Big people there back in the days with Tony Blair from the UK, Obama, some of those folks coming to Copenhagen. And I, at that point, was incredibly sad about the lack of outcome of the, that climate summit. And that's where I wrote sort of the first book, uh, Good Advertising, which for me was just a young, angry guy's way of sort of trying to pitch in and saying, what if, it was a question, in fact, what if brands could help create change in this world? What if they could do something bigger than just um, selling a lot of shit we don't need? And that time, it was still a really, really early conversations. Uh, it was the early days of um, um, Unilever Sustainable Living Plan, more or less launched the same year. Um, you know, you had brands like Ben & Jerry's, you had uh, PepsiCo uh, beginning some of their uh, journey. Uh, so body shop. So, so there were some brands in this space at the time, but it was definitely very, very easy to differentiate yourself. So that was my sort of early epiphany in, in this space. And then the second one, I'm sure we're going to talk about today. We should. Next book. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about it now? Do you want to talk about it now? Just kind of give us the headlines and then we can see where we all go from yeah, there. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's just begin with the introduction anyway. So that's a bit about me, in fact, and, and now my focus areas are basically still 
looking at um, trying to rethink leadership from a brand point of view, but also if you are a CEO, if you're a startup, and we're going to talk about that with some of the new work that I've done and what actually sparked me to do that new piece of work. Cool. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I guess because you mentioned that you'd been so influenced by the world of coaching, that probably does make a bit of sense. If you can tell everyone about your experience of being coached or you know what you how you now see yourself as being in the role of the coach that would be that would be a great place to go next I think yeah I I think where I sort of got into that whole space was first of all my own personal change journey that, that started like that decade ago but I, I I started realizing something quite interesting first of all a lot of brands, a lot of leaders, a lot of CEOs, a lot of startups talking about sustainable change, a lot of the good stuff they did. So I started asking myself a question like, what brand leader organization have in fact created real change in my life? Uh, and maybe that's a very good question for the audience to ask themselves. Uh, you know, with all these purposeful leaders out there who have actually created change. And my list was not very long, a uh, handful. And, and so I thought, isn't it interesting that every brand and leader now tries to become sort of a purposeful sort of messiah that's trying to change lives? And the second thing was that I realized that it's incredibly difficult to create change in my own life. So I felt frustrated with the lack of, you know, that, 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 that it was so difficult. And I thought maybe, maybe if I, if I, if I could unlock that, if I could actually unlock what it, what, what would create individual change, maybe I could create change on a bigger scale. And I think now with the IPCC report, the climate change report out, I think it's even more urgent for all of us to understand how we create change and scale. Is it enough to have a company like Patagonia or Unilever or others to go out there and say, oh, we all want to live sustainably, or we believe in this and that, or do we need to take a different approach? And so... One of the tools, because with the first book, it wasn't really a tool. It, it was like me being upset about something and writing a few principles about it. But, but the second book was really much first around a tool. And, and uh, I looked to psychotherapy and coaching to try and understand what tools do people use if they want to apply change. So one of the tools that I'm sure... I'm a novel in this, so sorry for all the people who are very good coaches in this. One of the models that I came across was one called uh, I Want, I Can, I Will. You heard about that one, right? It's the most banal, probably, you know, way of looking at, at behavior change. But for me, it was interesting because, you know, there's a change that I want to see in my life. I get to the capabilities. I, I upskill, whatever, and then suddenly I go ahead and do it. So... I thought, wait a moment, what if brands and leaders use that model to actually inspire change in my life? So I created a, a process called the arrow. Um, and let's see, because what's probably going to happen if I hold this up to the camera, or I, can, I, can, I can see where it's going to be mirrored now. But anyways... I created a methodology called the arrow that asks four fundamental questions. So what is it that you do? How are you unique in delivering your product or service? Who can you help people become? And, third, and, and fourth, when can you enable that change? So if you sort of focus on arrow and, 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 and when you follow that, you, you point towards transformation. So basically, it was a reiteration of I want, I can, I will, but built into an arrow. And what was so interesting about that was that suddenly a new type of leadership emerged, a sort of transformative leadership that didn't look at just your own why, but found your why in people's who. So suddenly you actually as a leader becoming much more of a coach that were helping people achieve amazing things in their lives. And so I interviewed lots of leaders, um, brands to try and understand this shift and how in fact by doing that, uh, there was a much higher chance of people actually following through on 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 sort of the intention action gap. So So that was some of the work I did in, in the latest book, um, uh, The Hero Trap, and some thinking that went into that. So that's why I'm like super passionate about uh, coaching because I think ultimately if we are to create this leader change, I think we can learn a lot from coaches and, and what it needs to take because by the end of the day, a brand, a company is just a bunch of people and we need to bring all of them on a journey. 
You know, you've talked to something today and also previously we've had a really good conversation about this, um, which is almost the kind of shadow side of all of that. And, you know, we're working in a world now where there's a lot of bro marketing. There's a lot of toxic marketing bullshit, as we call it. There's a yeah. lot of coaches out there spinning the sort of magic beans, as Simon refers to it, of like <laughs> how to do really good stuff um, and make loads of money. And yeah. one of the things that was most exciting to us in our last conversation was when we talked about that sort of darker side of feeling responsible for big change all the time. And it feels like this kind of thin line between being motivated by the fact that you could make really important change, being motivated by the fact that you've identified that thread as you're talking about between, you know, what you need and what others need and how you can help. But then the sort of pressure of that on you every day and sort of yeah. having to show up as a amazing coach, as an amazing leader, as, as a somebody who you start seeing as being very responsible for for kind of people change and global change and you know we're all in the business us three and others in our marketing family of also holding space for people to kind of allow for those feelings to flow of responsibility and yeah would you like to say a bit about maybe your experience of that or sort of how you support people with that those senses of responsibility you know, I think there's definitely a tendency towards, as I said, and one of the things that provoked me to write the book was obviously this uh, thing that every organization, every brand, whether you're flipping cheeseburgers or you're working on a public rail uh, company or whatever, it seems like everybody needs a sort of bigger purpose than just going to work and earning money. And so I think there's definitely a a sort of pressure from the outside in terms of of actually going to work for something bigger than just earning a paycheck. And, 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 and for me, that can be a challenge, in fact, because I think a lot of the time, and that's why I sort of called the book The Hero Trap, a lot of the time we build brands that are almost an organization that are too good to be true. I mean... And, and that pressure sort of like flows through the whole organization. And, and it's almost like suddenly it's not okay just to go to work and earn money and go home and enjoy time with your kids, which, which should be perfectly fine. You know, this, I, don't, I don't think we all need to sort of run around like enlightened purpose freaks that want to change the world. And, and so I think even in that space, I've taken a step back and, and talk much more about sort of self-realization. And so that's a very pillar of my model is really the who can you help people become. It doesn't need to be some sort of glorified, bigger world-saving mission. I think it's absolutely great if you just want to be a dad that want to spend time with your kids, um, that well, love watching soccer. That's perfect. It's great. You know, <laughs> Um so, so for, for me, I wanted to take a bit of that heat out of the conversation and, and sort of say that in this space around sustainability and responsibility, I always go back to the fact that isn't it about being inclusive and not an exclusive leader? If you're the Googles of this world and you talk about diversity, as we've seen in the U.S., and you suddenly have a presidential campaign, um, former former orange guy in office, and Google were uh, not too happy about um, the orange man in office, and and sort of in, insinuated that uh, in in their internal channels. And obviously, people thought they worked at a very diverse company, but apparently that wasn't for them. So I think we need to be very careful about how we sort of frame these conversations and how we create sort of like a truly inclusive environment for everyone. And I think you can do that when you sort of take more of a people-first perspective. Um, at least that's... And, 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 and as well as, as... And as well as someone who is to help people, organizations or companies on that journey... Uh, you know, take that responsibility seriously that we, we probably shouldn't always just push everyone into like putting on a hero's cape and go and save the planet. 
but less ambitions is absolutely great as well. What's coming up for me listening to you is, um, you know, we talk in our community a lot about how, you know, good marketing does mean being very clear in your message to a group of people that you have decided you want to speak to at that time. Yeah, yeah. Also very much about your own sort of um, ability to be discerning in your marketing so that you're protecting yourself and, and kind of only gathering around you the people that you need. And that's because we are human beings that need to survive. And yeah. when you talk about including people, people so often look yeah. at it from a kind of branding and what's right point of view. But of course, if you don't include your people, you may, you know, from a UX point of view, just massively miss out on what's right. And it can feel yeah. so relieving to be reminded that inclusivity is not just something that you should be doing in the world, but is something there to support you as well as a human being. Um, so that's what that's what what you're saying is is kind of. I think you know it's fun, fun, yeah I know it's fundamentally interesting, right? That there's this I think which is very much a marketing term, but a brand that's an activist brand, so a brand that really goes out there and uses its voice and its campaign activities and products and services to uh, create change, whether that is like the Ben and Jerry's who wants to, um, um, you know, go up against um, or, or, or support the sort of uh, climate change movement or stand up for diversity or whatever it might be. I think we're seeing an evolution of all of this stuff. So what I talk about is basically an evolution of in the beginning where you sort of had purposeful brands. So now it'll be much more about transformative brands. So brands that are actually enabling us, enabling self-growth, self-love, inclusivity. Whereas before, I think there was a tendency to create brands that was sort of either or, love or hate. So when Nike did their sort of Kaepernick ad, um, um, the, 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 um, the, the, the US um, the US player that sort of went up and, and, and protested against um, uh, police violence and was supported by Nike. I, I think that pissed off a lot of people. Uh, so a lot of people loved Nike for doing it and taking a stance, but a lot of people also got extremely frustrated, uh, ended up burning Nike shoes and, and whatnot. And, and so I think in a world that's so divided at this point, I think the future of, of of sort of activism has to be an inclusive activism uh, because by the end of the day, we all live on our same beautiful blue planet. And if we keep dividing people um, and, and separating people on values, uh, I think that's plain wrong. I mean, I think I was raised with the thing that if, if you know best, you're supposed to take the high road and not look down on people. So if, mm. if, if, if you're super well-educated on climate change, why would you bully the climate deniers? It, it, does, it just doesn't make any sense. If, if, if you're a super diverse liberal person, why bully a racist? He's, he, he, ha, he or she has a pretty tough life already being a racist. I mean, so, so how, do we, how, do we, how do we create this sort of bottom-up movement where... It's not some sort of value crusade. I think we've seen what, you know, those types of movements have done in the past. And so that's why I re really fundamentally believe that we need to create a different type of leadership where it's so much more focused on the relationship, the interdependence, mutual respect. And I think that becomes when you as a leader don't get self-obsessed like an Elon Musk that are like, this is my mission, I want to go to Mars, go fuck yourself, sorry about the language. But, but, a, but a leader that's much more saying, I'm, le I'm leading from behind, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing you to achieve some of the things that, uh, that, uh, that's important in your life. Nice we one. got questions. Um, Amazing. Got a question. uh, would appreciate LinkedIn loser, LinkedIn loser, LinkedIn user. Could you let us know who your name is? You're obviously not a loser because you're asking an excellent question. Would appreciate your answer to overcoming client C-level HR who certified, who wants certified masters in sustainability, such 
an interconnected behavior change and knowledge from elsewhere, such as coaching or food systems. But yes, that right would need a sustainability leader or in-house champion. So I guess Topic needs partners to deliver. What do you make of that as a question statement? Uh, let me see. Yeah, but yes, the right would need a sustainability champion. So I guess Topic needs partners to deliver. Uh, yeah, I I think. And I, I hope, dear LinkedIn user, that we're getting this right, but else do uh, follow up. Um, but I, I think I think what's what maybe being being um, you know referred to here is probably sort of the silos that we see in organizations, but also a bit of the sort of idea about having an entrepreneur in an organization. I think that's something we've seen across most of the successful successful chain stories we've seen. I mean, I think a lot of people know the story of interface uh the carpet company where in fact um how the story is told that it wasn't really in fact uh Roy Anderson the founder but but it was actually a, a group of people uh that actually uh, sat around the table and started discussing sustainability and then came to the fact that hey wait a moment uh our carpets are made out of fossil fuels maybe that's something we need to do let's have a let's have a chat with with our ceo so I think definitely, I believe very much in that um, sort of in, in internal change idea. I, I, I very much believe in empowering, enabling individuals that everybody in the organization can potentially be a change agent. Um, I think that's a key message. Uh, also, but I think this is again about inclusivity, in fact, that this cannot be a siloed approach. I think we really need to break down those silos and bring every everyone on 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 board on this sort of sustainability journey. I mean, I quite often have one foot in each camp in the sense that I came from the world of marketing. I'm, I'm spending a lot of time in the world of sustainability, so I, you know, and I'm trying to get the two camps to speak the same language and to meet and 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 understand each other's point of view because it's two disciplines that are incredibly uh, different. And so even, even in, in finding a solution to this big mess um, and, 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 and trying to tackle this urgent climate emergency, I think we need all disciplines on board. And, and so that's also why I sort of had to like look elsewhere for answers than in my own industry. And that's why, for example, look to coaching to try and understand what is it that in fact create individual change. Um, so let's break down those um, sort of walls between the silos and then let's empower everyone in the organization to, 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 to be, be change agents themselves. I hope and that bringing Yeah, I think it did. And it reminds me that, you know, coaches, what we talk about as being so wonderful about coaching and marketing is that you can model what it is to be coached by you through your marketing. And that's by way of excellent questions. So, and I think this speaks to what you were saying before about rather than being an agent of change by taking a position, a strong um, uh, protesting position, you yeah. can actually be an agent of change simply through holding space and asking questions and facilitating and the word enabling came to me before when you were talking yeah. without having to be a cat amongst the pigeons just by being the guide, as we say, rather than the hero, as you say. Um, so yes, what, what questions have you found yourself finding the most useful when you're speaking to leaders, um, or, or what questions can you advise leaders or suggest leaders might like to consider asking of their people so that they can lead without necessarily taking a position? I think it's interesting to see this, um, shift that's happening when you suddenly start talking about um organizational change and the change that you as an organization have enabled in people's lives i think that just just you know suddenly framing it around that sort of often quite opens people's eyes towards maybe, maybe we're not doing enough i mean the question i said you know what leader brand organization have in fact created change do you feel that you measure the change internally in your organization i mean one of the brands i talked to was um the u.s NAC company kind snacks and and their founder uh, daniel rusevsky who is a israeli immigrant to the us who came from quite a divided country into yet another divided country and and obviously using the power of snack bar to promote kindness 
and 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 injuring him it was so interesting to see that one of the things he really prioritized was that to get the organization aligned on what kindness means to begin with and so they measure kindness on a yearly basis and uh, at the time of of writing the book i think the number was something around 86% of his staff felt more kind after they started working at Kind Snacks. So for me, as soon as you ask them, I mean, in there, there's the four questions, but the one that sort of tends to unlock the biggest shift in, in, in the way that you view leadership is uh, who can you help people become? Because it fundamentally changes the way that you look as, as, at, at your organization as a um sort of platform for diverse growth um, and and puts really, you know, for me at least, self-realization and self-development at the center of what an organization should be able to do. And I think especially today with, with young people being so incredibly difficult to motivate, I think a lot of people misunderstand young people today. Uh, and I can give you an example because just before the pandemic, uh, I'd been doing this talk at um, Copenhagen Business School for a number of years. And the last year I did it just before the pandemic. There was this class of three, 400 people. We had a couple of very purposeful companies there in uh, that has done their presentations. Uh, uh, Erster, which is uh, one, of the, uh, one of the most interesting uh, companies that sort of made a pivot from oil and gas into wind energy. And so a lot of really interesting companies there. So we asked all those young folks, all the young students there, how many of you would love to go and work for some of these purposeful companies? And only 30 to 40 of them actually raised their hands, which has been the lowest number I've ever seen. So here we have this sort of creme de la creme of what we always talk about, purposeful companies, and yet so few of the students actually want to go and work there for them. And I was like a little bit curious about that. And so, I, I, you know, we started having a conversation around it. And I think actually young people today have this belief in themselves and what the world can now offer them because it's so easy to start your own business today. You know, they've, they've, they've been brought up in a world of Instagram where you can start selling products, food, to clothing, whatever. So why the hell would they need big business that they don't think is really doing things in the right way? And so if you want to attract that young talent, I don't think it's enough just to go out there and say, hey, look at us, we're super purposeful, we're on this mission to change the world. But I think actually you need to see your workplace as a platform for self-growth, where people hang around for as long as you can contribute to their personal development. And I think this is where the coaching element for me is important, because how do you energize these young minds? How do you keep them challenged? And, and it's not easy. I mean, I remember when I started in the advertising industry, it was not about me being challenged because just me being in the industry was more than enough to keep me happy because I felt that I finally made it. If somebody asked me to go do a coffee, if somebody asked me to do the most horrendous brief in my life, I would do it just to get the chance. But today that has obviously and evidently changed. I think we you know, in the advertising industry, you have a much harder time to attract the right talent. And I think it might be because, in fact, the industry hasn't been very good at adapting. I think at one time we were pioneering in, you know, way the moment we had like a football table. It seemed like a fun, creative place to work. Now everybody has that, have that. And so we have shitty working hours very, very uh, tight deadlines. Um, the, the work culture is, is often horrendous at most agencies, to be honest. So it isn't really giving people a lot of sort of free-spirited ways of thinking. And so as an industry, as a creative industry, I think we need to really think about how we can sort of serve much more as a platform for uh, creative talent, nurture creative talent, become much better at doing that on their premises and not on ours. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think the, um, the conversation I've been having recently uh, is around the kind of um, concept of advertised emissions. I don't know if you've seen yeah. 
come across yes. this. And I think it's a really interesting shift and one that may help, I think, to kind of give, let's say, younger people who are looking for a business in which they can make a more measured impact, going to an sort of opaque industry, shall we say, like advertising or marketing is 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 often sort of seen as, well, why would I go there? Because I can't really make a difference. Because, yeah. yeah, we might have wooden forks in the canteen, but we also have BP as a client. You know, yeah. it's like, it's just all, yeah. you know, PR, isn't it? Whereas yeah. this advertised emissions is essentially, uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's where you declare your carbon emissions as a business, which include your customers' emissions that you helped advertise. So, for example, if you work for Toyota and you sell, you help them sell 20,000 cars, the emissions of those 20,000 cars count towards your carbon output because it's almost your fault that those cars got sold kind of thing. So it's yeah. that kind of knock-on effect. But it means that as an agency, you can really start to be transparent. And I think one of the things with a lot of bigger business at the moment that I see is that they're trying to get a bit more up to speed with this transparency and measurement, because I think what that helps with is enrollment rather than enforcement. And just, you know, having the CEO stand up and go, we're a green company now. And everyone goes, yeah, yeah but we're still pumping loads of oil. Whereas them going, actually, we're not green yet, but this is how we want to get there. And this is how we're measuring it. I think, it kind of encourages everybody to get behind it and make a difference as opposed to that kind of enforcement of like, right, you've all got to do better, do more net zero, everybody. Kind of yeah, thing. but I, th I think, I think you're right. I think there's, I mean, at least it's, it's sort of creating a more, hopefully a more sort of level playing field in a way of sort of, Telling agencies apart, and and maybe for people who are looking for doing um, sort of more climate-oriented work, it's probably a, a better guide for them also to find the type of place that they want to go work at. But I think for me, when I started the industry, and especially when I look back a decade ago with with my first book, for me, I knew that I wholeheartedly was a creative. That was what I was energized about. That was what sort of drove my mission. It was that I loved to find creative solutions to problems when i then found out that wait a moment i could actually combine that we're not fucking up things but hopefully you know at least benefiting positively to something and maybe even help change an industry in a better direction i found a sort of renewed purpose um and i think where my sort of purpose has evolved to at the moment is and, and that was definitely from writing the second book. I sort of had to say to myself, what is, in fact, my, my, my mission? What is the transformation that I'm working for and that I believe in that energizes me? And, and today it's, it's basically um, to sort of enable other people's positive change. And, and so that's my mission today. And so whether that is through the campaign activities that we do or whether it's through podcasts or keynotes or whatever it is that's sort of what energizes me i i you know when i when i when i get somebody who writes me on twitter that said you know i read your book blah 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 it really made me think twice about my career in advertising and marketing and actually found out that i thought i would be quitting the industry because i thought it wasn't for me now i actually found a way that the industry can be a place that i can also call home and and when when i get a tweet like that that's sort of what sometimes pushes me forward when sometimes you know you are dealing with hundreds of emails on a daily basis you know sometimes feel a little bit tired and 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 and, and but just just that little tweet sort of energizes me and, and pushes me forward you're making me think that you know we i i also can't go back to the corporate space as a senior marketing manager despite how much more money I might make if I was to do that for all of the above reasons. But, um, you know, thinking about, we very much share, I think if there was a way that we had to summarise what being in the marketing family, the Better Body Rover marketing family is, it's what you just said about uh, waking up in the morning and feeling like, once again, I can use my marketing skills to help other people help others kind of thing is really what we're in the business as well. Um, 
And so for the first time, I'm sort of seeing what we do as community leaders as kind of being on a level with what you're talking about as being the new form of leadership in the corporate space, which is having to pivot and almost be there to support individual development um, and trying to point out to people that the alternative is that everyone's going off in silo but it's about working together, you know? And so by gathering or enrolling, as Simon says, what we need to do as community builders and also as, as corporate leaders is say, the danger of you going off in silo and trying to change the world is X, Y, and Z, but doing it together, you know what I mean? So you're like entirely repivoting the message. And ironically, 20 years ago, when saying, you know, um, a snack to make, to, to bring happiness to the world, you know, which would have been except whatever it was, you know, 20 years ago, that is the kind of bullshit that, you know, brands yeah. came up. And yet here we are, 360 degrees, and you can say the snack that will bring happiness to yeah. the world because, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's just been pivoted around, still the same message. I, 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 think, I think you're right. And I think, honestly, in, I don't think we've ever as in marketing industry, been faced with um, so much change in such a little time. I, I, you know, I, I really do feel with everyone working in marketing because when I started out and I went to advertising school, I mean, it was a very simple world. I was taught how to make a newspaper ad, outdoor advertising, TVC and radio. That was it. No digital, no nothing. So it's a simple world. I think today... You have to deal with um, AI, digitalization, pressure from social media, legislation, uh, sustainability. I mean, there's so many topics that makes it so incredibly hard to navigate all of this stuff. And the pressure from all of that, because each, each, each of those things can be, you know, a misstep in your career or if you ignore X, Y, Z, what's going to happen? So I think there's a lot of anxiety that I meet in conversations with marketing and advertising folks today, uh, especially young people coming into the industry that are like, you know, if I'm a graphic designer, what will my work look like? You know, uh, will AI take over my job? Uh, will I just be sitting there and and and... And will there be a space for me? Will my work be, be outsourced to somewhere else? Can I still do what I care about? So, and, and then when you're then at the second layer of sort of finding meaning in an industry, I really do think that our industry, without doubt, that if you look at the, the IPCC report again, I mean, the main, the main message of that report is basically saying, we're fucked. I mean, <laughs> we, we should have acted yesterday and yet we're still not acting. But we have the solutions, in fact, for most of those issues and challenges that we're faced with. What we need is mass mobilization of people, of minds and behaviors coming together to do something about this. And yeah, you can say our advertising industry is definitely to blame for fueling more consumption, but also to think that we can use that to drive those much necessary shifts in consumer patterns, in uh, creating and making, making sustainability desirable. So I, I, I think there is still a home for those people who want to enter our marketing family. Um, even... Even if you're the little cheeky nephew who wants to revolutionize the world, there's this there's, there's place for you around there, the 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 dinner table. And so I'm 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 optimistic, but I do get that there's a lot of anxiety out there. And I think it's so important that agency leaders, communities like yours with, with Better Bowler Braver dare to have those conversations. Uh, because if we fail Doing that, we fail to attract uh, talent that has the right mind and heart uh, and want to do something about this. Um, and so I think it is really important that we create a, 
a marketing community that is inclusive and that brings diversity on board and, and that brings lots of different talent to the table because, I mean, I walked in from the street. I, I didn't even finish university. I was a dropout. And, and I walked into an advertising agency with, um, with a sort of made-up portfolio. I had no qualifications, whatever. But I, I did have a creative director who could look at me and said, wait a moment, there's something in that guy that's interesting in terms of creative thinking. And, and today we've created a system where it does seem like a lot of the talent I come across today has all been through institutions, have all been sort of forced to look at, you know, the archives of can lines, et cetera, to think about advertising and marketing in a certain type of way. So again, I think we just need to like think about where can we look for talent? How, how can we as an industry open up for many, many different types of talents? Because that's when I think we will come up with much more interesting answers to the crisis that I think we, we so far see ourselves in. I want to talk to a couple of things there. One is the anxiety and the other thing is inclusivity within the coaching industry. So, because this is about the future of coaching. Yeah. So on the first thing, um, the way that we like to see ourselves standing out as other providers of advice about how to do marketing is that we hold space for people to think about how the whole marketing thing is making them feel. And yeah. I'm so glad you brought AI to the table today because I think the elephant in the room, particularly for the likes of us, is none of us know what the fuck we're supposed to be advising people. You know, on the one hand, I've got this email that I now subscribe to that comes in every day advertising to me because it's paid ads. Yeah. But nevertheless, it's quite a useful um, um, aggregator of literally every day a new AI service being made available that makes your life easier and they're really intoxicatingly attractive you know it's it's yeah. kind of like put this in get this image put that video in get this headline get this highlight and i'm like wow amazing i'm just and i'm just about to go down a rabbit hole yeah. like no something else and you know i also feel responsible so i'm holding this kind of excitement as a marketing person and as a creator yeah with the overwhelm of what should I tell my community members they need to be aware of? Like, how do I distill this information? And also, how do I manage the anxiety, uh, not just amongst us as marketing people and copywriters and designers, that we may be displaced by robots, yeah. but the anxiety amongst these people who are joining our community because they don't know anything about marketing they've never had any training or any experience and what they want is some advice and some guidance as to what they may most usefully play with yeah um so that's that's my thoughts on on that <laughs> ai anxiety <laughs> <laughs> you know i i, I think the 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 um... It's, it's such a fast-changing environment we find ourselves in. And I, I think even, I mean, this year is, is probably the best example of that. I don't think anybody really can foresee what's going to happen with the economy just going three months forward. And I think that uncertainty um, is creating a lot of anxiety uh, for ordinary folks who don't know if they can... Uh, afford the heating bills, what's going to come this summer, uh, food prices going to go up, what's happening with inflation, what's happening with the war, uh, what's happening with COVID. And I think we're just going to realize that early on, we, we, we could sort of be jack of all trades. We could sort of like have a sort of solid overview of what's happening in the world of marketing and have an opinion about it. But I think really that we we... And that's where the diversity is important I, and, 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 and being much more cross-disciplinary than we usually have been in the advertising industry. I, I think we really need to like, you know, really invite different talents on board this journey because it's, it's, it's just, I mean, even, even, even though I've been in the business now for 
scary enough plus 20 years i i feel i can't even know you know i, I cannot even scratch just the surface of ai or what's what's the future of automation looking like at the moment or um i mean I, i'm i'm more than busy just keeping up with what's happening in the sustainability space i mean honestly it's so, yeah, no literally this, this morning i was like i'm done you know 20 yeah. years ago i was like trying to keep up with like uh corporate you know co corporate social responsibility strategy yeah. then i was getting my head around like the purpose of um you know, like email marketing in yeah. you know b2b you know whatever yeah I'm literally just like but this morning when I got the AI thing, I was like, because I get it every day. But for some reason, this one, I was like, I can't. I literally no. can't. I'm in my 40s. No. How much more information as a marketing person that is supposed to be guiding everybody can I take on? You know, and honestly, it's laughable. Like, you've got to see the funny side because no. there is no possible way that any of us can possibly know. And, and I'm so glad because Simon and I are in the business and I think you are, too of really trying to dispel the bullshit that there is one way to do marketing yeah. because it's rubbish like you've got yeah. to find your own way that makes you feel okay and like you're not going to burn out and that's the only way for you um but i do want to say because i'm trying to practice this thing simon picks me up on this all the time i have like four thousand thoughts i ask 45 questions <laughs> no one knows what i'm talking about which is why i disciplined myself to saying the authenticity thing and the inclusivity thing and now i want to come to the inclusivity thing so we don't demand that people show us their qualifications on the way into the better bolder braver community and it's a, it's an interesting one because there are lots of coaches out there for whom a qualification is really important and they really value the kind of robust authenticity and a very worried understandably so about yeah. coaches calling themselves coaches. Like you wouldn't have it in the psychotherapy world, for example. You would not have somebody yeah. calling themselves a psychotherapist if they had not had the training. And there's lots of coaches who are very concerned that there are people calling themselves coaches when they do not have life or actual academic qualifications to look after people and hold space and, and be safe. But the problem yeah. we had, we don't want to dictate what, the, what we think. It's not our place to dictate what the right training is, for example. We may, uh, you yep. know, that's not, we, there are lots of other people that we trust that do that. Yeah. So we thought we can be the most inclusive if we can just try our best to support the people that want to help people and trust that a lot of them are actually decent human beings trying to do good. Because otherwise, if you don't take the inclusivity lead, then you end up policing based on who you think is right to do or right or wrong. To, you know what I mean? So I wanted to touch yeah. on that as well. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thought in terms of, again, like how, how, how do you, who, you know, who's, who's in, who's, who's welcome in a community? Um, what, what qualifications do we need? I mean, as an example of what you're saying now is we're having a conversation in Denmark right now around, some of our university educations and whether they need to be um, five years in length, maybe they could only be three years in length because the, I think the key skill, I think everybody is, 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 is coming back at is critical thinking that we go through life and it's one long journey of life learning. It's not like, university you got your certificate that's done your coach bam now you know how to do it i think everybody and i i don't have a a, a coach certification at all so just beware but i i think the, um, that's when you start learning i only started learning advertising when i finished school and when when you had your first five ten campaigns under, under your belt then you started to know what worked and what didn't work and 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 um, yeah, so so I, I, I it's 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 kind of it's kind of fun because my my mom always calls and complains to me about you know now she can't she doesn't know how to like access a bank or she doesn't know the new updates or iPhone and you know obviously you want to try and help but also you're like ah oh, come on mom it should be fairly easy but 
sometimes I can actually recognize right now that anxiety in my own life, that things are moving at such a speed. And that actually does create a lot of stress and anxiety in everybody's lives. And I do hope that we at a certain point as an industry also stop up and say, what is it actually we want? I mean, uh, what are we going to use these tools for? What is the development that, that we, that we want to see? It's not easy to, 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 to stop up and, 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 and take that break, but I think it's a necessary thing. I think a lot of conversations around AI is, is around the same thing. What, what do we want? Same with sustainability. Shouldn't we as an industry press the pause button and say, we right now as an industry doing shitty incremental change. If I look back at when I started on my mission with goodvertising and I fast forward to today, yeah, it's a lot of good development, but it's incremental. I mean, that, that, that you, Simon, as you, you, know, you talk about advertised emissions, as, that we as an industry are only getting to that conversation right now is, is ridiculous. We, we should, should have done that years ago. So maybe it's about time that we sort of press that pause button and we say, what is it, in fact, we can do as an industry to radically change what it is that we want to do in people's life and what is the relationship we want to have with people when we build brands and when we advertise. Because I still think we are an incredibly shitty industry. I mean, I, I, had, I had the best example the other day. Um, one of my friends told me that his daughter called advertising skip ads because every time she saw a commercial, it said skip ads on the <laughs> screen. So for her, it wasn't called commercials. It was just skip ads. And, and I, I can't believe that I've been ranting about that now for like 15 years or so. And yet still it's skip ads. And I, I, <laughs> No, but I, I, it's like we, 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 I think we fundamentally need to think about we won't be welcome into people's homes if we keep fucking this up. And I think we do. I mean, we, you know, you see, you see like in Harlem, in Holland, they, stopped, they started saying, hey, no, let's not advertise meat products. There's a lot of conversation around airlines, car advertising, you know, um, what about unhealthy products that have too high salt sugar content? What are we going to do about that? So I think we as an industry are so naive that we believe that people won't say enough is enough. And, and, and I think we are at this point right now where I at least, even within our own industry, people are saying, you know, you know creators for the climate, people like Hack the Brief are saying, fuck no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do that sort of advertising anymore. It's just not us. We shouldn't be doing it. It's insane. And, and, and so I think we just need to like take that break and fundamentally think about where we're heading. Um, because for me, it's at least like I feel that we're still sort of running towards um, the end of the end of the line and it's, it's just sad because i i love this marketing family i love what uh you know the people we have in our industry can do the ingenious thoughts that they can come up with but it's really urgently needed right now and i love how you've ended this so beautifully for us not least just before <laughs> easter with i suppose a nod to sometimes not doing is as useful as doing you know and so we really support our community members who are like i'm supposed to be marketing all of the time and we're like no yeah. no it's okay it's okay like it's okay not to do that all the time and also you will burn out and also you, if you don't have anything to say then don't say it and like, also, you might come up with some profound thoughts if you just stop posting shit all over the place. Like, you know, yeah. and what you're talking about is that's okay. Like, and also important and ethical to sometimes do less, to just stop and think, what do I need? What do I want? What's important for me, for my people and for the world? And and so I just love how this is 
has taken us on this lovely loop. And guess what, everyone? It's Easter. You've got four days at least to do nothing. Um, I'm just, I'm just I think, I think, I think, I think, I think you're right. So my, so my, like the first book basically came out on the back of a summer holiday, where it's just fed up with working at an ad agency. So for sure, something beautiful comes out of breaks. So I think that's a good thing, and I think it actually comes back to the whole idea about coaching, which is actually being. Um, just taking a break and being aware about what it is that you really want and, 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 and really charge, you know, take time to sort of set that vision. So I think that's a, that's a good thing. And hopefully we can resurrect advertising in a much better shape after Easter. Maybe that's our little four day goal right now. We can, Listen, we can have the resurrection of marketing and advertising and coaching. Maybe that's, you know, after we need to put... there's actually a play yeah. by somebody called Anne yeah. Devlin called After Easter, by the way. There's a play called After Easter. Um, and for all of, the, uh, and for all of, the, uh, of those of you who, who don't celebrate Easter, just use the weekend for the same thing. You have two days, the other ones, it's maybe just a bit slower. You could do that in two days. So don't stress about it. Um, what I love about you is like us you're just so brilliant well not saying we're brilliant but you know we're in the business of bullshit calling I'm never every day my children and I skip ads and nobody's ever (laughs) named it and now you've named it and it's like the skip ads generation that's the biggest takeaway for me yeah so good thank you Um, it's a real honor to have you on i know how busy you are and um what i was really hoping from this conversation when we first connected was that there would actually be through this conversation a clear marriage between marketing and coaching because that's what we're trying to help people understand is that the marketeers and the coaches are trying to do good we're trying to do good like please put us in the same family don't think of us <laughs> necessarily the the devil in fact we are here to as you say creatively uh come up with a solution for how how things can move forward so and i think this conversation has spoken to that very much so have you got any final thoughts simon and also thomas what are you leaving with both of you simon you you uh kick it off um well yeah i think it's been fascinating um a fascinating conversation I think there's a lot there and there's definitely a kind of momentum building and I think it, it is gathering strength and I just hope that it it realizes as you say resurrects <laughs> sooner rather than later but I think it is there and I think it just is going to take a couple of the old guard gatekeepers to fall or get out of the way and suddenly there's going to be a, a floodgate of people who are wanting to do things differently and I think as soon as those people get behind the wheel it's going to be a very fast ride and I think AI shows that it was a you know something that's been bubbling away for years and yet it's only in the last few months that it's really come to fruition and that's simply because some of the people who were blocking it got out of the way and put it out there and suddenly everybody's you know going crazy about it um and i think i was going to do a plug for this book i don't know if you've read this scary smart it's a book about ai um it's uh it's interesting reading uh from one of the founders of um google x who kind of came up with DeepMind or was on the team of DeepMind. So someone who's in AI is basically saying like, we should definitely stop working on AI quite so quickly. It's a fascinating read. I highly recommend it. Um, And um, yeah, it certainly opened my eyes to a different perspective on AI. Um, But um, uh, yes, that was basically where I was at with the conversation. But yeah, it's been really great to talk to you, Thomas. Um, As always, a fascinating conversation. (laughs) No, thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me. And and I I think as as we've spoken about and reiterated quite a few times, I think it is really in this meeting between disciplines that something um, exciting happens and also that we... uh, that we really take the time to acknowledge each other's disciplines and have these types of conversations between disciplines because I think they all need it in creating that shift that we ultimately had to 
do yesterday, but we now have to put up on the top of our to-do list today, which is obviously to respond to the urgent uh, climate crisis. So um, I think just to leave everyone on a hopeful note, I would say that, you know, that that my, my key belief is still in people and putting people first. I think we need to be very aware of creating brands, organizations and leaders as the heroes, but actually we fundamentally need to create a new type of leadership that enables all of us to become the heroes of our own lives. That's at least what, what I believe in, and that's at least what I'm trying to uh, push uh, with um, my, my, my mission and, and with the book, The Hero Trap. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to do that. And what I absolutely love about the creative industry that, and what I love about your name, Better, Bolder, Braver, is in fact that if we are to do this, it demands boldness. And um, and that's why we are in the creative industry and marketing, because else we might just go and work in a bank. Yeah. And we will, um, for anyone who's listening in, we're going to put the link to your book in the chat. So if you've watched this either on LinkedIn or on YouTube, or if you're listening to the podcast, please go to those places and you will find a link to, and you can probably find it in the podcast uh, notes, episode yeah, we'll notes. So thank you, thank you, thank you. This is not the last time. I'm sure I'll speak to you again soon. Um, and yeah, have a lovely weekend, everybody. Thanks very much, everyone.